0: Hi, welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. My name is Tiet Helimets and I am a principal dancer at San Francisco Ballet. This podcast series of Meet the Artist interviews is your chance to get to know us, the dancers, musicians, designers, and choreographers at SF Ballet as we discuss our lives, the process in a studio, performances on stage, and more. Join us for Meet the Artist interviews live and in person at the Opera House before Friday and Sunday performances. Or tune in all season long to hear podcast recordings of San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist Interviews. Enjoy.
1: I'm Mary Wood for the ballet, and I'm going to be in a wonderful conversation with San Francisco Ballet's music director and principal conductor, Martin West. Good afternoon. And with the ballet orchestra's principal percussionist, David Rosenthal. Hi, everyone. Hello. I do want to uh, just sort of summarize who these gentlemen are. Martin uh, came to San Francisco Ballet, I think he's in his 18th season in 2005 as music director, having been uh, here as a guest conductor in the seasons before that. He has presided over not only all things musical that have to do with the company's performing seasons, but he has presided over recordings of the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. Not just ballet scores, but other symphonic music.
2: (laughs) Other symphonic, yes. Um, Well, mostly ballet. Uh, We've had a lot of people ask us to record concertos with us. In fact, we're doing one this week. I don't know if you uh, Yeah, uh, we're recording the Vorjak Cello Concerto and Tchaikovsky's Rococo Variations. In fact, we're doing the concert here. Maybe I can plug that.
1: Fantastic. On, when
2: is it, David? It's Wednesday. On Wednesday, 6.30. It's free. You're welcome to come. It's just going to be a kind of a preview run through of what we're going to record on Thursday and Friday.
1: That's great news. <laughs> I hope to see many of you here. David is one of the longest-serving musicians in the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. Thank you. Um, he became principal conductor in 1982, percussionist. which... Percussionist. What did I say?
3: You said conductor. He's to my right. He wants to be the conductor, that's, that's, but he's not. That's the other guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my script is tangling in my brain. Um, principal percussionist in 82, which if you need help with the math, is 41 years ago um, and has been in the orchestra since...
3: Well, I've played my first service for the uh, orchestra in 1977, Mary. Yeah.
1: So So lots of history and David is rich with anecdotes of life in San Francisco Ballet and the orchestra for the last mm -mm, decades here. I guess that's true, yes. Uh, David has also served... um, a long tenure on the San Francisco State University faculty, and of course has per, has appeared in all of the recordings, I'm sure, most of them. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. And performs in many um, music ensembles throughout the Bay Area and beyond. That's true. I want to um, ask Martin to set some context for us, um, laying context for these anecdotes of David's. Um, Martin, one of the... F- things that always attracts me when we're talking about your vast job description <laughs> is putting together the amazing variety of music that your orchestra is asked to play.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of the, the most fun and the most mm-hmm. challenging thing at the same time. Um, we don't often... Sometimes we don't know what we're going to be playing till a few months before, and we have to scramble around to make things work. Um... A really good example of that is the New Works Festival we just did. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, we had nine choreographers come, and uh, many of the pieces. I, I didn't come July when we started. I still didn't know what some of the pieces were going to be, and of course we've all budgeted for them, so we, we have to try and make everything work. But uh, yeah, it's been it was, it was fun. I think.
1: <laughs> and um and. Variety is just my favorite word. You were playing Mozart, and you were playing Mahler, and you had two, out, just major violin concerti, the Britten and the Stravinsky, um, a commissioned work, just it goes on and on. I, I can't resist asking, how fun is it for you to be in the pit conducting, <clears throat> we'll call it a warhorse, like Bolero. Um,
2: Well, it was funny. I only did Bolero once, actually, because I had a guest conductor to to do that piece. But Bolero itself was a really interesting piece because I know uh, Yuka wanted to do Bolero. That was the first thing she said, but it's only 15 minutes long. And she just quickly said, oh, I'm going to get someone to compose something beforehand. And you never know what it's going to be. And he he started writing things. I said, no, we can't do that. We can't have three pianists in the pit or... You know, all these things. So we we have to sort of temper expectations and come back and say, hey, look, that piece you've written for the two pianos, can we have that on a marimba so that we had the people already there play? And he said, oh, that's fine. You know, so it's a little back and forth to make sure things actually are are possible, you know, because I don't... Bolero has a massive orchestra. I don't know if you came to see that, but it really is one of the biggest orchestras we play with, some, like, five clarinets and... And saxophones, things like that. It's huge. So there's no, there's literally no room in the pit to have two pianos or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. it's just you know less logical things, logistics, I should say, that we have to kind of think about.
1: And we've had conversations in the past about you're having to um, go out and find unusual instruments. I remember talking about the theremin several years back. But this season, I was taken by the fact that right there in the orchestra, was an accordionist. And I thought, you know, has this person been hiding in plain sight in our orchestra the whole time? Or was this a special recruitment? Well, it was,
2: <laughs> that was a very special uh, thing. So th- that, that, you're talking for Madcap. And that was a particularly challenging piece to, um, not to conduct, but to actually bring to, uh, to the stage. Um, Danny Rowe contacted me and said, uh, um, I'd really like to do this music. And I said, well, what is it? And she sent me a Spotify list, which is kind of the, the worst thing to pass up. And I said, well, that's great. Um, first of all, it's not written for orchestra. You know, it's it's, just, it's synthesized music. And it's by a composer I've never heard of. And she said, if I can find a composer, would you, would you consider it? I said, so, yeah, of course. You know, let's see what we can do. So she found... Uh, The composer was named Luella Gren, which is actually not the real name of the composer. He writes under a pseudonym. So that was fun. Then we had to find him, and he said, I'd love you to use my music. Unfortunately, I don't own the rights for that. That belongs to someone else now, because I sold them on. So we went to those people, and they said, well, we only um, allow music to be used for videos. We sell it as a library, so we don't really do this thing. And I said, well, that's not the answer we're looking for. So then I went back to Pear and said, hey, this is what we're getting. He said, talk to this person. So we went up the chain. We finally found, you know, up the ladder. They said, oh, yeah, you definitely can do this. But uh, I said, oh, great, can we have the music? And said, oh, no, we don't. I I don't write music. I just play it. And so it's not written down. So then I had to find someone who I thought of someone quickly to actually transcribe the music then to make it into an orchestral piece, but long story short, in in the piece is definitely if you saw Madcap, it definitely has circus themes, and the accordion was a very important colour and texture that we needed. So I said to uh, Philip Feeney, "Yeah, of course we have to have the organ and uh, the accordion." And uh, luckily, Tracy Davis, my amazing personnel manager, he knows everybody in the in the Bay Area, and we got. Uh, we got one in and it, was all, it all went smooth.
1: Such fun. Well, in this sort of going around interesting special music, I think that just points us directly at what's on today's program. You're going to start with a lovely selection of works by J.S. Bach. You're going to end the afternoon with um, recordings of remarkable singer and songwriter. But in the middle is this awesome Steve Reich score, which accompanies Color Forms, the Miles Thatcher piece. And one of the first things we noticed about it was it's just percussion from one end to the other, (laughs) starting and finishing. And I'm really going to just let David roll a little bit here. Starting with this remark, if you just, and none of you are, but if you just happen to be less educated musically, you might think that a percussionist bangs a drum. And all we have to do is watch a little... Not today, Mary. Not not today. (laughs) Watch a season with David to know that is far from true. How many instruments do you actually play?
3: I don't know, and I'm gonna guess what, we're way up uh, into the uh, high three figures on that. I, I bought a, a couple of things to demonstrate. Um, this is the smallest instrument I play. Martin will hold the microphone while I demonstrate. Thank you, thank you very much. Now, if you, uh, if you come to Cinderella, I mean, I'm not gonna give it away, but uh, within a few minutes, you'll, you'll hear me play this. Uh, that's the next program we do, by the way. And then um, the next instrument I'll demonstrate. For those of you who here, you get this, Mary. This, no, you get outro. this, and I'll I'll demonstrate this. This is uh... who's been to Nutcracker. Okay. Well, this is the this is the Nutcracker, and this is the sound of the jaws of the Nutcracker doll crushing walnuts. And this is actually a they call it a gas rattle, and there's one in the Imperial War Museum in London that's exactly like this. It was used um, in England in the war uh, for, as an alert, a kind of an air raid alert for incoming gas, which thankfully never happened in World War II, or for incoming V2 rockets, which unfortunately did happen. So it's also used subsequently uh, as um, um, uh, sort of a noisemaker at soccer games, and now it's got a kindler kinder... A kinder and gentler function here at uh, San Francisco Ballet as the sound of the Nutcracker. So those are two of many, many instruments that we play that are um, unusual. Sort of bread and butter stuff is all the drums that you know and the triangle and the cymbals. and. Uh, uh, all the keyboard instruments, uh, one of which, we have four of them today, four vibraphones in Steve Reich's piece. That's very unusual, and these are very challenging uh, parts, I have to say. Um, I'm very familiar with Steve Reich's music. I've played it uh, since 1974. I actually worked with him and played in his ensemble. It was one of my first uh, professional jobs a long time ago. I had hair and... uh, (laughs) All kinds of things were different. But um, we, it involves the use of four mallets, which people find pretty intriguing. Um, it's just uh, this technique we all learn as percussionists to hold four mallets and consequently be able to play a lot more notes. And um, it, it looks challenging, and I guess it sort of is. But it gets easier after you've done it for 55 I years. for Those of you who are planning to start soon. No, I
2: think everybody needs to go home and get the wooden spoons out and see if you can <laughs> do what David does without. And you have to do both both hands at once. I mean, he's, he's got this thing, but... Uh... Yeah, it
3: t- t- takes a little practice, but what, what we do down here does. That's all there is to it, and that goes for every instrument, of course. So, yeah.
1: Say another word or two ab- about the vibraphone.
3: Well, the vibraphone is like a xylophone, except it's made of metal. So it's a keyboard instrument, Uh, It's laid out like a piano keyboard with you know the white notes and uh, you'll see them down here in a minute but uh, it's the xylophone is made of wood and the vibraphone has metal bars and those metal bars sustain And so the vibraphone has a pedal just like a piano does and the notes ring uh, Until you let the pedal up and then they're damped you can play uh, Short notes by leaving by not pedaling and long notes by putting the pedal down So it's different from the other keyboard percussion instruments in that respect
1: and you mentioned that there are four of them does that mean there are you have three assistants
3: no we're playing four separate vibraphones and four separate parts by the way they're all equally uh challenging and difficult
1: and though. you are playing them
3: i'm playing one of the four part, okay. parts and three of my colleagues will so play you the, do you
1: know, have i
3: don't co- play okay. all four parts at once now i don't think anyone does but uh, uh and then there are two pianos, uh, two pianists playing two pianos, and uh, a dozen string players, a three-string quartets. and um, it's amazing. It, it really has come together really well. We originally did this piece in 2020. Um, the pandemic, we recorded it, and it was very, very difficult to do because we were very far apart because of the social distancing rules,
2: and we had click tracks in our ears. It was
3: just unpleasant and difficult but- so
2: so far apart that we actually did it on different days so the first day we had the four vibraphones and a pianist who was in a, a booth which we couldn't hear then the next day we had the strings who were spread across the whole of Skywalker uh just so they're not together and then we tried to overlay everything all together and that was um one of the big challenges of the pandemic was uh, you know being up put one o'clock in the morning with the editor saying, hey, that note needs to go here, and this one goes there, and we need to line things up. This is much more fun and much better. So, yeah, yeah we're,
3: we're glad to be back.
1: Is it safe to say you all learned a whole lot, though, during pandemic about something you never thought you'd have to know in terms of mixing?
2: I did, yeah. I learned an entire new craft, actually, because I put together... Well, I didn't do the engineering for... Um, the Steve for the, for the color forms. But I did wooden dimes, because at that stage we couldn't even go into Skywalker, so everybody recorded their parts at home and sent them to me, and I just downloaded them and added them to this massive kind of jigsaw puzzle.
3: Martin did really a, a remarkable job on that. I don't think we know any other conductor who came close to doing anything like that, and I've joked with him and told him that uh, if this conducting thing doesn't work out for him, he's got a career as a recording engineer for sure, so...
1: Well, for anyone who happened to come in after we completed our introductions, uh, I'm in conversation today with, on my far right, Martin West, who is music director and principal conductor of San Francisco Ballet, and David Rosenthal, who is principal percussionist. Got that right this time. You did, Mary. um, (laughs) For the ballet and has been for many, many years, which is a fantastic thing. And we're talking about this afternoon's program, which includes color forms, which um, has had its own interesting history now because it was first a film and now it's on stage. And the musicians are marvelously in the pit. We will have um, time for questions if any of you are thinking of something you would like to ask, David or Martin.
2: Um, Can I say something sure. about the Steve Go Reich? Because, me. I mean, David's, you know, he's quite... Humble and says it's challenging, but I don't think that really gives the sort of scope of what what it is. You know, the piece is called Variations for Vibes, Piano and Strings, and it's very typical of a lot of Steve Reich's p- pieces, where it's it's kind of repetitive, but it's always different. And I think it's like I, I was trying to think how to explain it, but you know, if you get these Formula One drivers who go around the the course very quick, right, and you, anybody could drive round, but if you go, go quickly, you have to be, every single turn you have to know. And if, you've got to imagine that every time you do the course, one of the bends is slightly different, so you can't even remember it. So it's every time they, Steve, Steve repeats a phrase, he varies it so it'll add a note or it'll change the rhythm slightly and so David and all his colleagues literally don't stop playing for 20 minutes and uh, so much so that we've had to hire extra people in the pit to turn the page Right? there's there's not even enough time for him to, ter- to turn his own pages and so it's this co- amazing 20 minutes of I call it a sprint where you just don't stop you cannot stop to think and uh, he's, all of them all four of the vibraphone players I've been my my office in the opera house is has shares a wall with the percussion room so I've heard them practice I know many 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 hours and you can really tell it's so rock solid and you'd have the great thing about it is you have hopefully no idea how hard it is
3: I guess, yeah, the idea is to make it look easy. And, you know, it does get easier when you've been doing it for a long time. You've played Steve Reich's music for a long time. You get a feel for it. And uh, But we've all been working very hard, and uh, we want to rise to the challenge and make it sound great. It's more fun that way.
1: Yes,
2: yeah, It certainly is. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it would be great if some of you had some questions that might take us even further. So, oh, yes, lots of hands. Let's start here. Yeah. Of, are you talking about the vibraphone, the vibraphone guess, um, yeah. in ballet music?
3: I would say there is none until now as far as a history of the, the vibraphone is a pretty recent instrument too. It's a 20th century instrument. Um, there weren't any vibraphones until the 1920s and um, so none of the early choreographers would have written for it because it didn't exist. And uh, there is vibraphone in some, undoubtedly in many scores for ballets, but uh, per se it's not a traditional orchestral instrument in the trad- traditional ballets, certainly. Certainly, Tchaikovsky never wrote for it, um, and Prokofiev didn't write for it, and uh, uh, Stravinsky actually didn't write for it either, as far as I know. He wrote for xylophone, but and glockenspiel, but not not for vibraphone, as far as I know.
1: Right, lovely, lovely question. Let's go over on this side. Let me. Well, the, a few things
3: repeat, are trade secrets, but d-
1: let me repeat the question d- for the for those of you who are unfamiliar. We do record these. Um, wonderful interviews for podcasting and so for the sake of those listening later I'll repeat the question Um, in 41 plus years you have encountered adventures and missteps and um, as I alluded to earlier anecdotes that could go on forever do you have a favorite that you could pull out of some adventure in playing in the pit
3: well, uh, there, there are a lot. And like I say, I just go through all of them. But, you know, sometimes we have uh, last-minute program changes that have been uh, white-knuckle flights where all of a sudden you're not going to be playing what you thought you were going to be playing, and something else is substituted, usually because a dancer breaks an ankle or does something of that nature. Or we've also had, I had one situation uh, many, many years ago. A colleague of mine who makes far fewer mistakes than I do, so I hate like to even mention it. But there's a big gong note in the Nutcracker. And you know, we play the Nutcracker over and over and over again. And it becomes kind of a reflex. And I was playing, and I noticed all of a sudden that there's a certain moment when Jim has to get up to get ready to play the gong, and he wasn't getting up. And I was sitting there playing and going, Jim, Jim, trying to get his attention didn't happen. And at the last second, I think something happened where he realized, you know, he was supposed to be somewhere else. And he kind of had a convulsion, I would have to say, as he, as he dived towards the gong and didn't make it. LAUGHTER it was very funny. Everybody had a good time. That, you know, once in 40 years, that's allowed to happen.
2: Do you yeah. remember the uh, performance we did? A, I did a, um, a lecture, meet the orchestra a few years back on Rachmaninoff symphonic dances, and we raised the pit for, for, the, uh, for the demonstration, then we lowered it back. But unfortunately... The, uh, they raised it up very, very nicely, but then uh, they couldn't get it down again. But they, they could only get half this, the the pit down. So Jim, I remember, had timps on two different levels. It was like <laughs> banging down there, and uh, I, there's lots of percussion in that part. But all the whole orchestra was all over the place. It was, <laughs> and he didn't miss a beat that time either.
1: Right. Love it. Um, the question refers to your being working with Steve Reich back in the '70s and what was it like
3: well it was very exciting especially uh, uh I was I was young and um um I was uh, very eager to play with Steve and uh he was uh, a taskmaster and um um I he's 85 now so you know he, makes him older than I am, and uh, he, uh, uh, but he was difficult to work with sometimes, but not if you, he was demanding, I'll put it that way, and that suited me just fine, and people who um, didn't uh, rise to the challenge or didn't try, um, and generally didn't fare very well with him, and, uh, but we later on, we toured with his music and stuff, and he became, um, you know, easy for us to work with. Once he knew you could count on you, it was uh, a very good experience, so...
1: Well, as always, we could go on and on and on and on. Um, Two individuals in our organization who contribute so much and just are... I try to imagine the depth of experience and expertise that you are imparting every single performance. And just thank you for that, each of you. I'm
2: very lucky to be here still and enjoying it. Yeah, well, we enjoy it, too, so thank you.
1: It's a good thing to spend that much time on what you love. Um, Before we wrap up, I do want to say um, Color Forms uh, and the Colors of Dance finishes today. The company and the musicians will dive into the two great Prokofiev scores which are coming down the pike and we look forward to seeing all of you in a couple of weeks for Cinderella and then a couple weeks after that for Romeo and Juliet. Enjoy this afternoon's program. Thank you so much for coming.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Thanks, Mary.
0: Thank you for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about SF Ballet, or to attend in-person Meet the Artist interviews and performances, visit sfballet.org. See you at the ballet.